Mr. Swift looked anxiously at his son. Not a sign, Dad, replied Tom quickly. Everything was all right. We brought the things you wanted. They're in the airship. Oh, but it was a fine trip. I'd like to take another right out to sea. Not now, Tom, said his father. I want you to help me, and I need Mr. Sharp's help, too. Get the things out of the car, and we'll go to the shop. First, I think we'd better put the airship away, advised Mr. Sharp. I don't just like the looks of the weather, and besides, if we leave the ship exposed, we'll be sure to have a crowd around sooner or later, and we don't want that. No, indeed, remarked the aged inventor hastily. I don't want people prying around the submarine shed. By all means, put the airship away, and then come into the shop. In spite of its great size, the airplane was easily wheeled along by Tom and Mr. Sharp, for the gas in the container made it so buoyant that it barely touched the earth. A little more of the powerful vapor and the red cloud would have risen by itself. In a few minutes, the wonderful craft, of which my readers have been told in detail in a previous volume, was safely housed in a large tent, which was securely fastened. Mr. Sharp and Tom carrying some bundles which they had taken from the car or cabin of the craft, went toward a large shed which adjoined the house that Mr. Swift had hired for the season at the seashore. They found the lad's father standing before a great shape which loomed up dimly in the semi-darkness of the building. It was like an immense cylinder pointed at either end, and here and there were openings covered with thick glass, like immense bulging eyes. From the number of tools and machinery all about the place, and from the appearance of the great cylinder itself, it was easy to see that it was only partly completed. "'Well, how goes it, Dad?' asked the youth as he deposited his bundle on a bench. "'Do you think you can make it work?' Ah, "'I think so, Tom. The positive and negative plates are giving me considerable trouble, though. But I guess we can solve the problem. Did you bring me the galvanometer?' "'Yes, and all the other things.' and the young inventor proceeded to take the articles from the bundles he carried. Mr. Swift looked them over carefully, while Tom walked about examining the submarine, for such was the queer craft that was contained in the shed. He noted that some progress had been made on it since he had left the seacoast several days before to make a trip to Shopton, in New York State, where the Swift home was located, after some tools and apparatus that his father wanted to obtain from his workshop there. "'You and Mr. Jackson have put on several new plates,' observed the lad, after a pause. "'Yes,' admitted his father. "'Garrett and I weren't idle, were we, Garrett?' And he nodded to the aged engineer, who had been in his employ for many years. "'No, and I guess we'll have her in the water, Tom, now that you and Mr. Sharp are here to help us,' replied Garrett Jackson." We ought to have Mr. Damon here to bless the submarine and his liver and collar buttons a few times, put in Mr. Sharp, who brought in another bundle. He referred to an eccentric individual who had recently made an airship voyage with himself and Tom, Mr. Damon's peculiarity being to use continually such expressions as, Bless my soul, bless my liver. Well, I'll be glad when we can make a trial trip, went on Tom. I've traveled pretty fast on land with my motorcycle, and we certainly have hummed through the air. Now I want to see how it feels to scoot along underwater. Well, if everything goes well, we'll be in a position to make a trial trip inside of a month, 
remarked the aged inventor. Look here, Mr. Sharp, I made a change in the steering gear, which I'd like you and Tom to consider. The three walked around to the rear of the odd-looking structure, if an object shaped like a cigar can be said to have a front and rear. And the inventor, his son, and the aeronaut were soon deep in a discussion of the technicalities connected with underwater navigation. A little later, they went into the house, in response to a summons from the supper bell, vigorously rung by Mrs. Baggert. She was not fond of waiting with meals, and even the most serious problem of mechanics was, in her estimation, as nothing compared with having the soup get cold or the possibility of not having the meat done to a turn. The meal was interspersed with remarks about the recent airship flight of Tom and Mr. Sharp, and discussions about the new submarine. This talk went on even after the table was cleared off, and the three had adjourned to the sitting room 